When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Live from a surprisingly chilly Santa Monica. Um, please be seated. We got a great show. Um, we're broadcasting from the Internet Law Center here in the downtown Santa Monica, the heart of Silicon Beach. And uh, we have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about what's going on 3,000 miles away in, in, in the nation's capital and get a sense of what is the tech agenda for 2018. And it's a a very short um, year in Washington. If only we all could have the same same, uh, schedule. Um, Starting when Congress gets the House of Representatives get back on Monday, there will only be 90 days left on their calendar until Election Day. So uh, it's definitely a, we're in the election year mode, and which means both you know shortened schedules, but also heightened sensitivity on, on issues. And and so, what issues will be the ones that get action this year in Washington, and which ones will again um, wither on the vine and and be f- and for another Congress to consider or not? And so, with us today is an old friend of the show. Um, David Sneed, and he is the co-founder and policy working group chair for the Internet Infrastructure Coalition, um, I2C. And um, and there's information about David and today's show, as usual, on our show notes at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And you you can follow us on Twitter at cyberlawradio. So, David, are you with us? Yep, I'm here. Um, Thank you for joining us once again. It's always a pleasure. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about I2C? So the I2 the I2 coalition or the I2C is a group of about um, 100 mostly small to medium sized businesses that are above the telco layer. So uh, think of people like web hosts, registrars, registries, data centers, anyone who's in the middle of uh, an internet transaction, and the organization is about seven years old. Uh, We are a member-driven organization and we have a very tight policy focus. Um, We're focused on issues that are directly relevant to internet infrastructure providers. Uh, And our current board chair is uh, from Ireland and so we have a 
a relatively international uh, membership. I would say about 60% of our members are from the U.S. and the rest are from, from all over the world. And you, you're a fellow at Georgetown University Law alum, and so I hope that when your, your president um, visits um, Washington, that you show him to the uh, the famous Irish pub by where we went to school, where the Tax Reform Act was written. Was it Dubliner, <laughs> or was uh, it Irish? I don't, I don't know. I don't know which of those it was. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, he's, he's been to better bars, though. <laughs> 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 For those unfamiliar, there actually is a, a bar two blocks from the Senate and Senate side of the Capitol where um, Senator Packwood, before he was thrown out of the Senate for sexual harassment, you know, met with a staffer and on the back of, an, you know, of a napkin basically wrote out the tax reform simplification that was enacted under Reagan in, in 1986. So jumping forward a few decades... Um, as you look at this Congress, what what is what issues do you see being dominant for um, the tech industry this year? And and if you need to also qualify what you say in terms of who you're speaking for, um, this would be a good time to do it. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you giving me that opportunity. Uh, so I am uh, speaking on behalf of the I2 Coalition. I'm also general counsel for uh, CPanel, uh, a hosting automation software company, but I'm, I'm speaking uh, in my capacity as the policy uh, chair for the I2 Coalition. And, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity to kind of give an overview what is very interesting about 2018 for tech and, uh, and tech associations is this is likely to be a watershed year for uh, legislative issues that tech companies are are interested in. The reason for that is it appears that uh, the kind of the hands-off approach that uh, government has taken towards tech is uh, subsiding uh, and is in fact given away. There are a number of bills that really profoundly impact um, tech and tech companies that are pending and it is going to be a really difficult year for those <clears throat> who are interested in uh, preserving uh, the way the the, the tech uh, the tech business approaches legislation. So there are a couple of things uh, with that kind of overview that actually there are four that I think are really important. <clears throat> the first is net neutrality. Then there are also issues related to intermediary liability. Uh, the third issue that is we're going to see a lot of action on uh, is government access to data and issues related to the, the warrant or the Fourth Amendment standard. And the final issues really involve privacy and um, Europe, the, Europe's approach to privacy and the GDPR. Uh, those are the four issues that I see predominating. Uh, in 2018. Um, There's some subsidiary issues uh, related to patents. Um, immigration certainly is a, is a big yeah. tech issue, but it's, it's a lot broader. Um, and then cybersecurity and encryption. There's, there's likely to be some activity on those issues. Uh, certainly the FBI has indicated 
that uh, they would like to see a new approach to encryption and cryptography uh, that is very troubling uh, for for tech companies. And they're, it's going to be interesting to see if there's a workaround. So that's kind of my overview. No, uh, you, you raised an interesting interesting point in in your this summation, and and that is that this there seems to be that the hands off view uh, towards tech seems to have been eroding, and. In, in the past issues we've had on this show and, and in reading some of the commentaries that are out there, it seems that this this, this growing sense, uh, for lack of a better word, of buyer's remorse, that you know somehow we've let the Internet get out of control and that maybe we need to do something to rein it in, whether you know, it's because of what happened with the Russia probe or it's because you know we need to study you know people calling for studies of you know what does social media do to kids wiring internal wiring and um, you know concerns about harassment revenge porn swatting you name it and it, it just seems like people are saying wait a minute is this what we bargained for do you have that sense uh, yeah I I, I... Would not have used the the phrase buyer's remorse. I, I can't think of a better one yet, so I'm I'm open to suggestions. Uh, it's yeah, I, I I don't know what to attribute it to. Uh, I think that some of what uh, what we're seeing is a little bit of uh, an inability to see beyond uh, companies like Google and Facebook and um, large technology companies and look down at the smaller companies who are um, who are actually impacted by uh, legislation and it's it I do agree that the, that there are multiple factors that are causing people to to look at um, what's going on uh, with with the internet and possible regulations. Uh, and it's um, it's I don't think it's one particular issue. Yeah, buyer's remorse, that's something uh, that I'm gonna have to think a little bit about. <laughs> no, note to self, David did not sign on for buyer's remorse. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, so let's talk a little bit about net neutrality. Uh, so what's going on with net neutrality is the FCC uh, under Chairman Pai rolled back uh, the, the 2015 open internet order uh, a couple of months ago. And um, the what's going on is that Congress is beginning to look at what it's uh, what it's uh, possible uh, what possible recourse Congress has to address the FCC's activity and right now there are there's a bill pending in um, in Congress in, in the Senate um, that would invoke the Congressional Review Act it's a resolution from Senator Markey and it would block on um, the FCC's uh, repeal of the net neutrality rules and restore um, Chairman Wheeler's uh, Obama-era rules. Um, the issue with the Congressional Review Act is that uh, this it doesn't have full Senate support, uh, and it only has Democrat and one independent support. Uh, and so where uh, net neutrality is going to go is really very much up in the air right now. Uh, there is a bill pending in the House 
<clears throat> Marsha Blackburn has a bill uh, that would uh, also take an approach to net neutrality that's a little bit different from what we've seen in the past. And what Marsha Blackburn's uh, bill would do, which is a little bit troubling, uh, is it prohibits states from enacting their own net neutrality laws. And we're starting to see a bunch of states starting to enact state-level net neutrality laws uh, to, to deal with uh, what's going on at the FCC. Uh, so well, let's, let's stop there and we'll kind of break that up. So first, uh, on the Congressional Review Act process, sure. that's, a, that's a process where if a regulatory body like the FCC implements a regulation, Congress can pass under the CRA, they can pass a resolution reversing that, and if it's signed by the president, then that um, regulation is not only invalid, but they can't take any action in that same manner without approval from Congress. And um, and so that's that's one thing. At best, it looks like they might be there. There are fifty votes, I think, in the Senate yeah, with Susan Collins cool. joining them, but they. Get, they definitely don't have the votes in the in the house, and so it, this is. But it's an important 2018 election because this really gets millennials jazzed up, and that's what I've just seen. I've, I've seen some pollings that said this is an issue that might get them to the polls. So it's worth the Democrats to have the vote but lose. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that we're we're actually that's a that's honestly a good point. We're starting to see a lot of those bills uh, being introduced in both the House and the Senate, and they're bills that uh, are important bills that have that, might, that may or may not that actually have very little chance of passing, but they're designed to send a message. And as you as you said at the outset, this is an election year. And so there are a lot of members of Congress who are looking to set out markers, uh, and net neutrality is is, is a big one, uh, and that's 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 what we're starting to see. And in in midterm elections, which we, which is what's coming up, turnout is key, and millennials and the younger voters they they don't turn out as well as older voters, and to have an issue that might drive them to the polls is is a big plus for the Democrats, I would think. Uh, yeah, I, th I think so. I think that that's um, and that's Democrats are 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 looking ahead uh, as are as are Republicans. But there's a there's a of course a, a sense that um, this is likely to be a uh, a pretty big wave election. Um, so I think that there there's an opportunity here, uh, and I, I think that um, Senator Markey sees it to possibly get some Republicans signed on. Uh, you know, the a CRA um, bill really only requires a simple majority, and it can't be filibustered. Uh, right. So there's, there's, there's some. But it can be vetoed. It can be vetoed, and it has to go through the House. <laughs> right. So that's the problem. But so you do have, you, well, you have Blackburn trying to say, "Hey, I got a proposal," which you know, when you're talking about uh, a congresswoman who spent her career being against net neutrality and is running for the Senate. Uh, you know, how, how friendly is that type of that type of bill going to be? But the Senator Thune, who is the chairman of the uh, Commerce Committee, who is somewhat of a moderate on this issue, who has said maybe maybe we should resolve this issue legislatively, and uh, you know, but I haven't seen him come forward with any solution. Yeah, I uh, n neither have I, and it's it's interesting. Um, 
tech associations are not the only entities who are looking for a legislative solution. There is some uh, indication that some of the broadband companies and some of the ISPs are looking to Congress as well. Because uh, it really is, you know, it, it's, it's hard to uh, have a stable uh, set of regulations when the FCC goes back and forth with each administration. So right. there's, there's some, there's some, some talk that some of the larger ISPs might be interested in a congressional solution uh, or in some sort of legislative solution. So that's possible. I mean, do you think it can be done in a mid in a in the a midterm environment when we only have ninety days left to the election? I, I I don't think that it can be done. I mean, it's 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 very difficult for almost, for almost anything to get through uh, through Congress right now. It would be, this would be something that would be very, very difficult to get through. Now, FCC Chairman Ajit Pai, if you are, are against net neutrality, he's your hero, but to a lot of people who support net neutrality, he is like the biggest, one of the biggest villains in Washington these days. And he is now under investigation by the FCC itself. And is that gonna impact this debate at all or is, is he is his job secure uh i would i i, I don't know um i can't speculate on on his job what i what i can say and, and this is something that i think um bears repeating in uh kind of a hyper charged atmosphere that, that we have right now you know um there are two there are two reasonable views of net neutrality, and, and while I disagree with Chairman Pai's uh, view of, of net neutrality, it is a different view, and I'm a little bit troubled by the fact that um, there has been such animosity directed to him that he feels like um, he can't go speak places, that there have been threats against he, him and his children. Uh, you know, as as much as I, uh, I feel that this is an important issue, I think it, it takes it requires us to step back a little bit and and look at what we're saying about issues, particularly net neutrality, uh, in a way that kind of uncouples the political issue from the personal issue. Uh, and so, you know, while I think that it's possible that he he might uh, something might happen to him, I think it's it's important to to say that you know he does have a political viewpoint that he's entitled to express. No, no doubt. Although what is interesting, I find, is the continuum of the net neutrality debate. It, it started under Chairman Powell, another very conservative um, FCC chairman, but he embraced net neutrality and its principles. It's it just that it was voluntary. And under you know Chairman Martin, a Bush appointee, he actually was in favor of the principles and and sought to punish Comcast for a violation in which they fined him zero, mm -hmm. but they just wanted on record that they did something wrong. And Comcast appealed, and, and the court said, "Hey, this is voluntary. You you need to use your regulatory authority." And so then. The Obama administration goes through several machinations to implement that regulatory regular authority, and the response by Pi wasn't to 
reverse the regulatory authority. It was to reverse the embrace of net neutrality entirely and said that, you know, as long as you disclose, um, it's okay if you discriminate. It, you know, it's okay if you throttle. You know, things that even under Chairman Power and Chairman Martin were not allowed. So it, it is somewhat of a, a large, a, a dramatic break. No, I, I agree. I agree that it's a dramatic break. And I think one of the things that that, that that you refer to, I find very, very troubling. And it's this kind of, uh, this, this movement that somehow if we disclose that we're doing something, that's going to be okay. We have right, free market. Well, yeah, and it's it's this this concept that if we put something in a policy that we send to people, uh, or we somehow we put on our website that somehow that's sufficient, and we've we've entered this kind of weird uh, paradigm, or we've created this kind of weird paradigm where uh, people get these huge notices that they don't pay attention to, right. and um, for net neutrality. This is something that I think is a little bit more fundamental than that. I mean, the, the 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 new FCC order really relies on transparency to ensure compliance, and um, I kind of I'm not convinced that transparencies work for things like privacy, and uh, I'm not sure it's going to work that well for for net neutrality either. And. One thing that we're not neutral about is our sponsors, and so we're going to take a break to allow our fine sponsors to tell tell you a little bit about themselves. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report, only on Webmaster Radio. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. All of your favorite WebmasterRadio.fm programs on air and on demand 24-7. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Add some podcasts to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Welcome to the Webmaster Institute for Financial Advancement, webmasterradio.fm. It's like radio with a Ph.D. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, 
only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and yes, radio like a PhD, so I guess that makes me Dr. Bennett Kelly, and we're talking to Dr. David Sneed, a Juris Doctor in both cases, and we were just talking about net neutrality, but there are a number of other issues that are percolating in Washington this year, and, and what do you see as the as the, the next big big ticket item? So the, the, the next big category is are issues that deal with intermediary liability, uh, and this is issues that impact um, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, uh, and that's the, that's the provision of the Communications Decency Act that creates conduit uh, immunity for companies, uh, so companies are not responsible for uh, the content that they don't place on their servers. Uh, really what, what Section 230 does is it makes the creators and consumers of content liable uh, for, for the content. And there are really two areas that Section 230 is going to be impacted this year. One is um, with two bills, two kind of complementary but somewhat competing bills that are pending in the House and Senate, um, SESTA and FOSTA. Uh, that try and address um, issues related to human trafficking. And then there are also um, some some movement to include intermediary liability in negotiations related to NAFTA, uh, wow. which is something that's, 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 a, that's a bit new. So I can jump right into... Uh, the SESTA and FOSTA, if, if, if that's where you Sure, like let's to get. do that. And just, you know, for listeners, we, we, we talked about SESTA previously. We had um, Eric Goldman on in November talking about, you know, his concerns about the legislation. And in August, we had uh, Tiana Bianami and on and to talk about wh- why she favors the legislation. So it's an issue we, we've definitely talked about, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, you, you, you cannot get anybody better uh, than Eric Goldman to talk about why uh, Section 230 is important to the internet. Um, so right now, where SESTA is, is um, it has not been sent to the floor by um, by Senator McConnell because Senator Wyden has a hold on it. Uh, so that means that the that that SESTA would have to go through um, a bunch of procedural hurdles um, before it can be sent to the floor. It, and it, it, which I think is in, it requires 60 votes, right? Yeah. And um, so... And just for people, and Wyden is significant because Wyden was one of the authors of CDA Section 230. He... <laughs> Yes, and he he speaks very he speaks very eloquently about about why it's important, um, but this particular SESTA um, uh, has so it's a relatively controversial bill, uh, and um, so it it's it is it is it's waiting um, percolating up through the House is FOSTA. FOSTA takes a little bit different approach than SESTA does. Um, it. Uh, has come up through the Senate. Uh, sorry, the House Judiciary Committee, but um, House Energy and Commerce Committee has expressed an interest in it, and so it has not moved uh, since uh, a House Judiciary hearing. There is talk right now, um, and as recently as yesterday in Politico, that um, that the the House Majority Leader 
is discussing with other members of the House um, ways to get um, FOSTA and SESTA moving through the House uh, as a way to uh, get around Senator Wyden's hold. So it is possible that we're going to see some movement on um, on this issue sometime in the next couple of weeks. So there's something interesting about SESTA, and that is you know, the industry has, has expressed a lot of opposition to SESTA because of concerns about this altering the the CDA 230 structure, and that you know this could you know be overbroad in in, in its scope and and fact like Wikipedia has said, you know as the bill is originally drafted we wouldn't put potentially put us out of business, and and so you had this you know strong united opposition until just before. The Senate Commerce Committee markup, you had the Internet Association, you know, which concludes some of the largest Internet companies, saying, let's make a deal. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so is where where is industry on this? Are they united? Are they divided? So um, I would say the, the, the large majority of tech associations are opposed to um, opposed to SESTA. Um, and most most associations are favoring FOSTA, um, but you're right that there is not unanimity among um, in the tech world about uh, about SESTA in particular. Um, the Internet Association has come out in favor of both SESTA and FOSTA. Um, there are some large companies. Um, that favor uh, SESTA, um, that uh, that don't believe that it uh, has the impact that it does. I think really the the what what's causing most tech associations to uh, be, be reluctant to support SESTA is the language in SESTA that um, relates to participating in a venture. Right, uh, and that's how you assist or facilitate um, the conduct that's that's referenced in SESTA, and that's what causes significant um, difficulty for, particularly for intermediaries, um, because most intermediaries don't control the content that's on their uh, on their their servers. How that's going to be interpreted is going to be really difficult, uh, and so that's that's why there's been a lot of hesitation around SESTA. What's what's interesting in watching this from from afar is you have a Senate bill that has 66 co-sponsors, and so that that's more than a filibuster-proof um, majority. You have a House bill which is close to a majority in terms of sponsors. Uh, I think 173. And so you would think this bill should just sail through, but you know it's going through this. It's having hiccups. Yeah, and I I I, I would say that that the difficulty that this bill has getting through Congress is reflective of the um, real thought that that Congress and associations and people on both sides of the issue are putting into the impact that it could have on uh, on the internet as a whole. And I, I do think that, that that's pretty profound. A bill like this or a law like this is going to have wide-ranging impacts on um, internet 
companies and internet content creators and uh, and those who disseminate content that are unanticipated. And it's it's it is good that we're all taking the time to make sure that we understand what's going to happen or try to understand what's going to happen. And I agree with you, and, and thank you for your pointing that out. That you know, these here here the system seems to be working as it should, because this potentially could go the opposite way. Basically, those supporters could just say, you know, the hell with it. I'm going to force a vote and make make you vote against, you know, sex trafficking. Make you in favor. You know, we're trying to stop sex trafficking. You're against it. When obviously the issue is much more complex than that. But in an election year environment. You know, this could go be handled much worse. So it's good that people are doing this and being thoughtful about it. Yeah, and and it has facilitated some dialogue um, between uh, those who are supporting uh, the the bills uh, and those who are opposed. Um, we continue. The tech industry continues to work with um, those who find objectionable content to find good ways to address it and find good ways that don't undermine what's made the internet successful to date. Uh, so it's, it, there, there is there's dialogue going on and certainly I think that that's gonna continue regardless of which way uh, these bills go. So let's jump to NAFTA. And NAFTA is being renegotiated as part of the, the, the Trump administration's view that we, we were getting ripped off in all our bilateral trade agreements or trilateral trade agreements but it seems correct me if i'm wrong but hadn't these issues been negotiated as part of tpp didn't tpp reform nafta in in the very ways we're talking about so (laughs) yeah and for those who are listening tpp is the the trans-pacific partnership agreement Right, the, the 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 treaty formerly known as TPP. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and now just known as dead. Or no, it's, it's very much alive. We're just on the outside looking in. Right, we we don't get any input anymore into TPP. Um, so this particular issue actually was in TPP, and uh, it was resolved in a way that um, that that really was was again very thoughtful. Um, and because we're not in um, in TPP, the the same standards or the same um, negotiating requirements that the U.S. Trade Representative had in TPP, it also has in NAFTA. So, um, in order for U.S. trade U.S. Trade Representative to negotiate treaties, Congress sets out very broad um, parameters for for um, trade treaty negotiations. And one of the things that is in their negotiating uh, requirements are is a, an obligation to include discussions about intermediary liability. Uh, and issues related to digital trade were not covered in NAFTA when it was initially negotiated. And so the U.S. is, U.S., Canada, and Mexico are trying to hammer out what uh, digital trade is going to look like in the context of NAFTA. My understanding is that the U.S. has actually tabled all of its, uh, its proposals related to NAFTA, and um, some of them uh, are meeting with pretty intense resistance, particularly from, uh, the, from, from Canada. 
um, issues related to intermediary liability uh, are are being resisted, and issues related to um, to uh, copyright and copyright issues uh, are have significant problems uh, with the Canadian negotiators as well. And and so NAFTA is a, is a lot of concern that the, the Trump administration may just completely walk away from NAFTA. Yeah, there's which, which could have huge economic consequences. It would, uh, and you know, I think that that internet companies and inter- intermediaries are very much interested in including a digital chapter uh, in in NAFTA. There are uh, a lot of issues um, related to, for example, localization and localization of uh, of content. Uh, and even issues as um, as basic as fair use that um, would would benefit from being included in NAFTA would create um, help create a uniform market uh, uh, within the three trading partners that would be good for for all of the, the, the countries involved. I do I do understand um, why Canada is is having some a little bit of uh, concern particularly about um, issues related to copyright and copyright takedowns. Um, but it's, it, that is an issue that would benefit from being included in NAFTA. And, and so how do you see this working out? Uh, ooh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that is, that is tough. What, what I understand from, uh, from talking to, to folks who are um, involved very closely in the NAFTA negotiations is the Trump administration has represented to, um, to internet companies that um, their concerns are being taken into account um, in the NAFTA negotiations. But the real concern is that um, President Trump has manufacturers' interests and, and other interests more in mind when he's thinking about NAFTA uh, than he does with internet uh, companies and, and issues like intermediary liability. So there's the there's the very real possibility that those concerns will uh, prevail and um, he'll just choose to to walk away from NAFTA. Uh, the the time the, the negotiating time frame is really really bad for those who are looking for uh, a negotiated uh, a new negotiation for NAFTA. Both the, the Mexican elections are coming up and the U.S. elections are coming up and both of those elections will make it very difficult for uh, the negotiations to continue past uh, the next round in Mexico City. When is that? I think it's in two weeks. Wow. So yeah, we, could, I, we could see the collapse of NAFTA within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, assuming that um, that there's not uh, some some breakthrough, there's there's real concern that that particularly with um, the Mexican elections coming up, that the appetite to continue to negotiate will fade. So, Mister, I negotiate the best deals may end up empty-handed. <laughs> Just an uh, observation, not necessarily a partisan statement. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't. I, I would. I maybe he if he if he negotiated himself. He, I mean, like, 
Just saying, you know, any of it. So um, next, <laughs> uh, what, what is your next issue that you see uh, we should go over? So, you know, the, the, the next issue that is really interesting to me are issues related to government access to data. And this is particularly important given the Microsoft Ireland case. Um, mm -hmm. The Supreme Court is looking at, uh, at how the U.S. can get access to content that is not, uh, is not stored in the U.S. And how that's going to be resolved is going to, that is going to, that is likely going to occur uh, either in this Congress or the next. Um, there have been continued efforts, uh, particularly in the Senate, uh, to for a legislative fix to this issue. The Supreme Court is likely to weigh in, and so I actually see that this is this might be something that gets resolved. Resolved. Uh, yeah, let, I, let's let's talk a little bit about the case, but first let's let's take our our last break. Um, you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, so social the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your facebook contest and sweepstakes create a fun easy to win contest by writing a simple facebook post watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction track your traffic and generate email lists with ease so social is mobile friendly and complies with facebook terms of service let so social give your facebook page some flash today zoom over to zosocial.com your virtual webmaster frat house. Webmasterradio.fm. Hey, bring your togas. Webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel -gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on Webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and we're talking with David Sneed of the IT Coalition about um, the tech agenda for this year. But before we do, I just want to make a comment about what's going on in Florida. It was just a huge tragedy to have yet another school shooting. And it just seems that we have one after another after another. I've actually represented victims of school shootings who have actually been harassed online um, by people worshipping the shooter. And, and I'm seeing some of the abuse that these kids are getting. Um, Dinez D'Souza's trolling them and, and some of the other people saying that they're paid to, to voice their opinion. They just went through a traumatic experience. They saw 17 of their own friends killed. And they was, they ask why? why? Why is this allowed in this country? And it's the right question. And, and, and while they weren't successful in Florida yesterday and trying to get the legislature to consider it, I, I would offer this. And you know, David and I are contemporaries. When we were your age, the Berlin Wall was up, and no one thought that would come down. But through people 
protesting and getting involved, it came down. When we were your age, you know, in South Africa was a, a white-run minority government with nuclear weapons that, that seemed in, invulnerable. And uh, they had locked up the one man they feared the most, Nelson Mandela. And while we were in law school, he was set free and ultimately became the president of the country. The man they feared the most ultimately became the ruler. So things change. You, you're making the right first steps. And you, you've made us all uh, proud of what you've done. And hopefully we will get change. Um, but um, that's just my personal viewpoint. David, so we're talking about the decision involving Microsoft's data in Ireland. And the question was, if I subpoena Microsoft for their data that they happen to store in Ireland, can a U.S. court make them produce it? Is that, that accurate? That's, that's, that's accurate. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's based on the fact that the company is uh, established in the U.S. So that's, that's the, what, the, the, what the, the decision hinges on. I'm yeah. so puzzled by it because I just recall the whole the fact that you know, your subpoena obligations extends to everything in your custody or control. Well, wouldn't Ireland the data in Ireland that's still Microsoft data be within their custody or control? Well, I think what it what it what we're facing is kind of a conflicts of laws issue, right? Who's how are we going to resolve? Uh, the, the conflicts of laws related to, uh, to, 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 to data that may or may not um, be resident in one place. And one of the things that I find um, fascinating about the, the legislative attempts to, uh, to, to solve this is in some cases they favor one particular business model over another. So right. you have you have some companies who have the ability to identify where their data is. Some companies who do not. Some companies uh, might store their data multiple places, and they they can't say that it's in one particular place or another. And the resolution of this actually also could possibly favor um, one country. Or another, there are some countries who would like a, nothing more than a decision that requires companies to store data within their country all the time, and it right. would, that would favor comp countries whose cloud infrastructure is not as robust as as other places, uh, and 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 help catalyze uh, that kind of development. Uh, so it's it's this is a the, the this case in and of itself really shows um, how difficult uh, the issues are to resolve and how how one particular decision will have important business uh, impacts uh, that that's uh, might not be foreseen. And so. Any uh, any idea where this will where this will end? Uh, well, so the Supreme Court uh, is 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 looking at the issue, and um, really, it essentially boils down to a dissection of the the Fourth Amendment warrant standard and how to address those issues. Um, I don't have a crystal ball 
for for the Supreme Court. Um, although I, I I wish that wish that I did. Um, as as you might expect, uh, most tech companies have uh, have written in support um, uh, of, uh, of of Microsoft uh, and filed amicus briefs that supported Microsoft. Um, there's an act that was introduced, the Cloud Act, that was introduced in the Senate recently, uh, and um, that bill would authorize uh, federal and state judges to issue warrants to compel U.S. providers to disclose user content um, stored outside the U.S. no matter where uh, the user's located. The issue with the Cloud Act is it doesn't uh, deal with um, the Electronic Communications Privacy Act. Right. Uh, and so that has um, caused most tech associations not to support uh, the Cloud Act, or at least to uh, to not take a position on the Cloud Act quite yet. Um, the, the reality is uh, this could all be dealt with by um, reforming the, the MLAT system. Uh, and there's a general belief that the MLAT system is broken. And that's the ability for governments to um, request another government uh, to honor uh, a warrant or uh, a request for data uh, issued in their country. Um, that's that's really how this could be solved in a, in a relatively... Uh, uh, clean way, um, but I don't think that there's an appetite to deal with the MLAT system in Congress. We we only have a few minutes left, so we're kind of going to go into a speed round. Is there right. is there any issue that Congress should address this year that you think they won't? Uh, sure, I I think that um, Congress should look at um, uh, uniform breach reporting and notification standards. Uh, but that's not something that Congress is going to look at. <laughs> and it, are, are, do you think the tech lobby today is more united or, or more diverse and and fragmented? I would say that the, the, the tech lobby is very unified. Uh, I It is amazing to me that <clears throat> I continue to work with great organizations like Engine and CCIA and um, even the, the R Street Institute, uh, uh, a libertarian organization, uh, on tech issues across the board. No, we're very, very, uh, very united, uh, and I um, and I'm very thankful for that. Is is the the major policy developments in tech the next two years? Is that going to be happening on Capitol Hill or in Brussels? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I, I hate my answer to that question. My answer to that question is going to be, it's going to be in Brussels. Okay. Uh, I was going to let you have a backup question, National Anthem, Fergie, or Roseanne Barr, <laughs> but... Um. <laughs> the European Union has really taken the lead uh, in in tech and tech, uh, tech issues. The GDPR is a great example of that. They are... The European view of privacy is really really taking hold. Uh, so I see Brussels as where policy is 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 being made right now. You know, I, I, obviously I live in Los Angeles and I'm a big basketball fan and 
it's funny, you know, the celebrities all you know they support the Lakers, but the Lakers lately haven't been the number one team in LA. It's it's the Clippers, and and it seems like you know we we've had season tickets to Congress, and we were expect okay, that's where tech policy is going to be made, and we're like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's this other team over in Brussels that's stealing the show. It's 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 kind of amazing. The U the US um, US US legislators and tech uh, companies who are not paying attention to what's going on in Brussels uh, and in Europe in general are really uh, missing missing out. They're missing uh, an opportunity to see where their business is going. It's very important. So David, we we only have like a minute or two left. Why don't you uh, tell us if people want to follow you or learn more about I two? Um, how should they do it? Sure. So um, the I2 Coalition, uh, we you can just go to our website. You can sign up to receive uh, legislative updates. Uh, if you want to be a member, <laughs> you can email uh, membership at i2coalition.com. Or if you're just interested in getting more information, membership at i2coalition.com is is the place to go. Um, I um, we tweet quite often uh, about legislative issues and issues that are important to us. Uh, and we also have a fly-in uh, for those people who are really interested in getting to know your legislators uh, every year. Uh, about Very important. Uh, it Very. is. It, it's And honestly, it's really easy and it's a great opportunity for people to get involved in uh, the legislative process. Well, David, thank you very much. And, and there's information, David's bio, links to his website and Twitter accounts are on the show notes. And um, this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. Check us out on internetlawcenter.net. We're a full-service internet firm and a fellow Hoya lawyer. And um, and join us next week when we'll have Stan Stahl um, talking about cybersecurity threats for 2018. And thanks again for joining us. This is Bennett Kelly. Have a great week. We'll be back here next week. Courts adjourned. See you then. David, thanks again. Thank you. The opinions are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.